starting our, uh, our Christmas series called The Cast of Christmas. As Pastor Cindy said, and over the next few weeks, we're going to be looking at a number of people that were involved uh, in, in the time up to the birth of the long-awaited Messiah. We're, today, we're going to look at the prophets. We'll be looking at the shepherds and angels and other people over the weeks to come. It's going to be, uh, going to be a lot of uh, some really good stuff, and so I hope you'll be here. But uh, like I said, today, we're going to study uh, the ones through whom God worked and spoke. They were the prophets. They, their job was to, to point to, but to also to give hope. These people... They lived and they prophesied about the coming Messiah by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. Interestingly enough, centuries, in many cases, centuries before the birth of Jesus in Bethlehem. So I have a question for you. Uh, anybody doing Christmas shopping? Anybody started some Christmas shopping? Yeah. Okay. So uh, if, if you're doing at least some of your shopping online, raise your hand. Who's doing a little online shopping? Okay. It, you know, I think it's really amazing that from the comfort of your favorite chair, with no need to hunt for a parking spot at the mall or stand in long lines at a checkout, okay, you can just scroll and click, and before you know it, shopping's done. Shopping's done, right? Now, though, you have to wait, right, for all those awesome gifts to be delivered right to your doorstep. <laughs> okay. This is really interesting. Okay. I, I looked this up. Okay. Did you know that between today, now and Christmas, okay, now, between now and Christmas, from the data I could get online, it's projected that through the combined efforts of UPS, FedEx, Amazon, and the U.S. Postal Service, that one billion three hundred million packages will be delivered to U.S. addresses. Yeah, that's about fifty-eight million per day. That is a lot of shopping. It's a lot of packages, but it's also a lot of waiting. I think they're all coming to our house. Yeah, it's. But think about it. That's also collectively a lot of waiting. It's a lot of waiting. And that got me thinking that if you really give it a little thought, a lot of our lives is spent in what you and I could call preparation and waiting. And a much smaller share of our time actually spent in the living and doing and celebrating. I'll give you an example. Just a couple weeks ago, most of you, uh, enjoyed a wonderful Thanksgiving dinner. Okay, but think about it. You were with friends and family, but there were hours of preparation, sometimes over several days, to get that meal ready that was consumed in about 30 minutes, <laughs> maybe an hour. A lot of preparation, a much smaller amount of time actually celebrating and enjoying. So if you take time to stop and think about it, though, we really shouldn't be surprised about that because I think a lot of our life is actually filled with a lot of preparation and waiting. And in fact, uh, in some ways, preparation is the doing. It is the doing. Preparation is often the point. For followers of Jesus, our time here on earth is just as much about preparation for eternity in heaven as it is 
about whatever we would accomplish here. In fact, probably the best use of our time here on earth is to prepare our hearts to be more like Jesus and to help others become followers of Jesus. To bring that into focus regarding the Christmas season, uh, the primary point of the Old Testament was actually centuries-long preparation to point to and to create a realization of the need and a longing in the people for that moment, the coming of the Messiah, the birth of Jesus Christ. So we turn our attention and our focus today to this cast of Christmas, the prophets. Let's see uh, how they contributed to pointing people uh, toward a moment in time and to prepare them for an event that unknown to them was still centuries out into the future. Okay, so it's prophet. We're talking about the prophets, which means prophecy. Okay, so what is prophecy? What's its purpose? What is prophecy? Okay, it's a word to encourage or to warn. Okay. It's someone speaking the word of God. Someone speaking through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit words that God has given them. Okay, well, these prophecies we're going to look at today were regarding Jesus' coming. Throughout the Old Testament, beginning in Genesis, beginning in Genesis, including in the final book of the Old Testament, Malachi, you can find prophecies about the coming of the Messiah, the coming of Jesus. The very first one, I believe that's in the scriptures in Genesis 3, almost at the very beginning of scripture. In Genesis 3.15, it says, And I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and hers. He will crush your head and you will strike his heel. Here's God telling the serpent, Satan, okay, that the child of woman, the child of the woman, will crush his head, Satan's head, implying the eventual victory of Jesus over sin and death. Later in Genesis 12, verse 3, he, he said, And I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you I will curse, and all the peoples on earth will be blessed through you. Now that was God's word to Abraham. Okay? And like a lot of prophecies, it can have an immediate meaning as well as a future meaning as well. And and, and this one did. While God was promising to bless and protect Abraham and his offspring, the prophecy also points to Jesus, the coming, the coming offspring of Abraham, who would be the source of salvation for all the people on the earth. <laughs> then there's the prophet Isaiah, who lived about 750 years before Jesus was born. During a point in Israel's history when there was... Uh, a threat to the continuation of the house of David and its, and its kingship. The prophet Isaiah, through the inspiration of God's Holy Spirit, said these words as a sign that David's throne would be preserved. In Isaiah 7:14, he said, Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel. Fortunately for you and me, no word spoken by God ever fails to come true. Those words never fall to the ground unfulfilled. As a result 
of that word spoken 750 years. So some 700 years later, right, when the gospel writer Matthew was describing not only the complete genealogy of Jesus from Abraham right up through Mary and Joseph, but, he, but also the nature of Jesus' birth and also the angel's message uh, to give confidence to Joseph that it was okay to take Mary home to be his wife. In Matthew 1, 21 and 22, it says that all of this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. Later in Isaiah 9, 6, the prophet wrote, For unto us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. The prophet Micah was also inspired by God to look forward to Jesus' birth about 700 years before Jesus was born. In Micah 5.2, he said, But you, Bethlehem Ephrath, though you are small among the clans of Judah, out of you will come one for me who will be ruler over Israel, whose origins are from of old, from ancient times. Centuries later, in the Gospel of Luke, we read about the call for a census that was decreed by Caesar Augustus. In Luke 2, verse 4 and 5, it said, So Joseph went up from the town of Nazareth to Galilee, to Judea, to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and the line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. There's just a couple of things there that are really worth mentioning. Think about it. Here is a prophecy 700 years ago that says that Jesus will be born in Bethlehem, except that Mary and Joseph are living in Nazareth, and Mary's pregnant. And you know what? I don't think many women who are, who are expecting a child want to go on a long donkey ride to a city that's far away. Mary and Joseph would have never gone to Bethlehem. Okay? It's not logical, except that because... God's word had said it would come true. Caesar Augustus thought he had a creative idea to call for a census. Caesar Augustus was used by God to fulfill his prophetic word from 700 years ago. When God says something will happen, it will happen, and God can move heaven and earth in order to make it happen. The one from ancient times that Micah wrote about has more than a hundred different names in the Bible. Jesus is called the Alpha and the Omega, the Word of Life, the bright and morning star, the light of the world. I am, ancient of days, Jesus. His name, Emmanuel, means God with us. And when Jesus arrived, he came humbly and quietly in a small town didn't even have a proper room for him to be born in. But don't let the circumstances that he chose in order to fulfill these prophecies confuse what child this is. He is the ancient one, the creator, the author and giver of life. 
Did you know Bible scholars say, and most of them agree, that there are over 300 Old Testament prophetic scriptures that were fulfilled through the birth and life of Jesus. All of them to create hope for people in need to look forward to a coming Messiah. While there were a lot of people involved in all the events that led up to the birth of Jesus, God's son, the long-awaited Messiah, the prophet's role was one based totally on a faith in things not seen. You know, none of them, because uh, there was nothing going on at that time. And when, and when the lives of those prophets, was when they were on earth, there was nothing going on at that time that it would have made their prophetic declarations sound like they were for that day. Okay? And, and what's even more is none of them lived to see their words fulfilled. But Hebrews 11.1 says that faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance in things that we do not see. Because God had given them those words. They were confident. They are confident that that would occur. The chapter of Hebrews, you know, that many of us call that the faith chapter in Hebrews 11, it speaks about the faith of people like Noah and Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and, you know, who, like all the prophets, it says in Hebrews 11:13, it says all of these people were still living by faith when they died. They did not receive the things promised. They only saw them and welcomed them from a distance admitting that they were foreigners and strangers on earth. Today, you and I have a different story. For us, the waiting and anticipation for the arrival of the Messiah, of Jesus, is over. Because unlike the prophets that we've read about today who were prophesying about things in the future, things yet to come, for us, Jesus' birth is in the past. We know the prophecies that were made about Jesus were accurate. And they were true because we have scripture that, that says it all happened, that's proven them out. So, so now for us today, what should these two to 3,000 year old prophecies about Jesus' birth mean to us today? What, what do they mean to us today? That God is faithful. Yeah, that, that when, I mean, I, I'm not a, a big mathematician, statistician, okay? But there are a few places I read, I mean, when, when the people that do this kind of thing have said that if you took the prophecies and how specific they were, like, like when it would happen and where it would happen and a virgin birth and, you know, all, you know, some of the very specifics, and you say that some one person would come along ever, ever, and fulfill all of these things completely, they, it, it was like, it's like one chance out of, and then it was like 10 with like, 40 zeros or 50. I mean, it was, I forget, but it was like, 
Yeah, it was like a, it was like a gazillion. I, you know, yeah, I mean, whatever the number is, it, it's like it can't happen. It's so improbable that it would happen, but it did. Because fortunately for you and I, we serve the God of the impossible. We serve the God of the impossible. So this Advent season is the perfect time of year. It's the perfect time for us to wait and prepare. Because just like the prophets waited for Jesus' arrival, we wait and prepare for his second coming, for his return. In some ways, we know what Isaiah and Micah and so many others who looked for Jesus went through. Because like them, we know Jesus is coming again. We just don't know when. We just don't know when. But like them, we need to prepare our hearts. We need to make preparation in our hearts and lives to receive and to grow in him today. As we anticipate the day when we will see him face to face. We may, uh, you know, look, we don't know when he's going to come. And, and he may wait longer, you know, while he could wait longer, okay? We can be certain that we are all in our own last days. As a result, we will soon witness his arrival, uh, whether we meet him when he returns or we meet him at the end of our own lives. So either way, we need to be prepared. We need to be prepared. And we need to live with hope. So what should we do? How should you and I prepare? How should we prepare? Well, the first thing we need to do, and it's what the prophets spoke to, is we need to prepare with repentance. Malachi 3.1, the last chapter of the Old Testament. Prophet Malachi wrote an additional prophecy. This one was only 450 years before Jesus. Yeah, okay. In Malachi 3.1, he said, I will send my messenger who will prepare the way before me. Then suddenly the Lord you are seeking will come to his temple. The messenger of the covenant whom you desire will come, says the Lord Almighty. Well, today we know who that messenger was. Uh, the one who prepared the way for the coming of Jesus. It was John the Baptist. In Mark 1.4, it says, And so John the Baptist appeared in the wilderness preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of of sins. The first step in our preparation is repentance. To repent means to turn from. It means to turn from. We are called to turn from sinful lifestyles and sinful choices and to ask for the Savior's forgiveness, which Jesus freely gives to all who seek him. The second thing we need to do to prepare is to prepare by living with hope and expectation. We have a wonderful reason for hope and to live with expectation. At the time, the prophecies uh, that we've read today were first written. They were initially meant to give hope to the people of Israel. Hope to get through the struggles of life and the captivity that they were currently in. The truth is, even today, can, I, can we all agree that you and I need hope? I mean, think of your life for just a moment if there was no hope. We need hope every day, every day 
today, receiving the gift of salvation by becoming a follower of Jesus can give each of us hope. Hope to live each day in expectation of his return to earth. I think the most simple way to put it is hope and our faith in Jesus and the hope that it gives. That's really what helps you and me get through the difficult times of life. And we all have difficult times of life. The third thing that we need to do to prepare is to prepare by bearing good fruit. Bearing good fruit. Look, we all have choices that we must make every day. Like whether we're going to live according to God's word or we're going to live according to what the world says is important or even more dangerously living by how we feel. It's some of the worst mistakes you and I ever make is probably when we live by how we feel instead of by living by the truth of God's word. Matthew 24, 46 says, it will be good for that servant whose master finds him doing good when he returns. In the Bible, good fruit is often used as a metaphor for good deeds or actions. For example, in Matthew 7, 17 and 18 and then verse 20, Jesus said, a good tree produces good fruit, a bad tree produces bad fruit. A good tree can't produce bad fruit, and a bad tree can't produce good fruit. And then he said in verse 20, by their fruit, you will recognize them. Galatians 5, and 23 says, but the fruit of the Spirit, that fruit that we want to produce, is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. We need to prepare for Jesus' coming by bearing good fruit each day. You know, Isaiah, Micah, Malachi, all of these prophets, they had no difficulty in trusting God with a word about the coming Messiah that in their lifetimes they would never see fulfilled. You and I have the proof. We have the Old Testament and the New Testament. We know that Jesus did come. We have over 300 prophecies that were spoken hundreds and hundreds of years before he was born. All fulfilled. All fulfilled. Today, you and I have a choice to make then. Is, do we believe that Jesus is who he says he is? Would you stand with me as we get ready to close? Heads bowed. If you believe that Jesus is God's son, that he died on the cross for your sins and rose victorious over sin and death, and you want to receive him as your Lord and Savior and live for him, just raise your hand. Thank you. If you have already become a follower of Jesus, but today you've realized that you're living maybe with some thoughts, or some behaviors, or some actions that are not in alignment with God's word, things that are not pleasing to God, and you want to repent of those things, which means turn from them and begin to bear good fruit in your lives, raise your hand. Amen.
Lord, today, you've seen our hands and you know our hearts. And Father, we do want to live for you. We want to be followers of Jesus. And we want to live in the hope and the expectation of your return. But Lord, we want to be prepared. Lord, we want to be people, Lord, that that word said of it will be good for the person for when the master returns to find him doing good. Lord, we want to be people bearing good fruit. Lord, living in ways that are in alignment with your word and bring honor and glory to you. So, Lord, we ask you, Father, you saw our hands, you've heard our prayers. Lord, we ask you to fulfill these commitments and our desires of our hearts in Jesus' name. Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of his Holy Spirit. Amen.